When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back in here to Forward Progress. It's the best bets edition, week 13 in the NFL, live on the Forward Progress YouTube channel, part of the Hammer Betting Network and powered by Pinnacle Sportbook. Hope everyone out there enjoyed their Thanksgiving. If you're celebrating in the U.S., we got our regular crew back this week, and we're going to cover five games on the show this week. As always, not the prettiest games, but games that... At least one of us has an opinion on. That way, you can make a more informed betting decision. We're going to end the show with the best bet from each of us. All the picks tracked via third party, the BetStamp app, and the Forward Progress HQ account. We'll try to make this as forward-looking as possible. But guys, before we dive into this week's matchups, let's address the elephant in the room here. They say lightning never strikes the same place twice. Here on Forward Progress Best Bets, we got to... We got like a curse going on right now. Uh, maybe not a curse. Like maybe we just stink. We just outright stink. But the results have been putrid so bad that the only best bet winner last week was our producer, Jason. Me, Eric, and Suma. I don't know what's going on, guys. What like it, it Hitman, you weren't we can't we can't even blame you for last week because you weren't even here. You weren't around. And everyone still shit the bed. I just don't get might, what's going on. Might be hitman voodoo magic. My bad plays have have now followed everybody else. <laughs> well, now you're back, hitman. So maybe we could go back to winning our plays, and you could stick to losing yours. That would be that would be preferable. Uh, it's not only the way that it's not plays losing obviously sucks, but the manner in which some of them lose is also extremely painful. Suma had a 59-yarder uh, hit the crossbar to, to to go into overtime last week with the Houston and Jags and honestly like missed by probably about an inch and would have went in the opposite side. Eric, you got the, uh, uh, I guess it, we can't call it a fail Mary. What's it being called right now? Hell Mary? The Hell Mary uh, in the in the Tim Boyle start. And uh, I, was, I was pretty happy feeling myself about to release Steelers on the show. Line moves. I pivot to Patriots minus three, closes four and a half. I'm like, here we go. Job well done. And of course, what does it matter? Uh, what does it matter with, with the New England Patriots? It's, it's just tough. But reviewing last week and the best bets as a whole on the program here, uh, producer Jason, the only one to win a best bet last week. It was the Indianapolis and Tampa Bay over in that game, which congratulations, got the job done. Also was a terrible week for the leans for us last week as well. Leans were were rough. A collective one in 10 with Pizzola, Eager, and Suma. But it's important that we remain transparent and move on to the future. And here we are, week 13. We'll start it off, guys. The Arizona Cardinals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers... Got a breath of uh, fresh air last week, apparently, firing Matt Canada. They go on the road. They beat the Bengals. 400 yards of offense for the Steelers for the first time in 59 games. Almost seems impossible to be that bad for that long, but they were. And 16-10 uh, to 10 final against Cincy, very misleading in the sense it could have been a lot, lot worse. The Cardinals lost their second game with Kyler Murray back, 37-14 to 14 against the Rams. Kyler Murray, 27 of 45, 256 yards and a couple touchdowns, but he did take four sacks in that game. And Arizona's defense could not get off the field. Current market price at Pinnacle, Steelers minus four and a half, minus 123, heavily juiced that way, more of a five and a half type of number. And the total in the game is 41 and a half. Hitman, let's get things started with you this week. You're back. Look ahead prices in this game were closer to Steelers minus three and a half ish. I have to ask you, is this adjustment warranted 
off of one week, or do you think that this is an overreaction to last week's games? I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. Um, I will say that I think if you're looking to bet Arizona, that you probably better off waiting to see if sixes appear rather than take the five and a half right now. But um, listen, I'll say this about Arizona. I mean, when you try to look for like year-to-date stats that you can talk about, to back them up in pretty much any matchup, you're really, you're not going to find them. I mean, this is one of the worst defenses in the league. And obviously their offensive stats for year to date are terrible with a lot of this season not being played with Kyler Murray. But I just think that this offense at least has the personnel that they could get to a point this year where we're saying it's at least maybe a league average offense. I mean, Kyler Murray, at his best, is probably a slightly above average starting quarterback. They do have playmakers at wide receiver and Trey McBride at tight end. And then um, James Conner, first in missed tackles forced per carry this year. I mean, who who could have thought that would have been a good trivia question for us on uh, this week, Rob? But um, I, I think that Arizona, the personnel is there, that it can be at least an average offense at some point this year. I know that the Steelers' stats – looked great against Cincinnati, but let's be real. It's still a team that has lost a yardage battle in every single game this season. And we're at other than last week and we're asking them to win by margin now. And I know you mentioned the look ahead, Rob. I mean, it's funny. It was three and a half, but it actually got bet down to three, which I thought was just a little bit of interest was a little bit interesting and market ratings probably would have had the game. If it was just played last week, probably around 3.25, I'd say, and obviously Pittsburgh does deserve a little bit of a bump and Arizona deserves a little bit of a downgrade based off of last week. But let's remember like two weeks ago, Arizona was closing five and a half at Houston. And now we're getting to the point where it's five and a half at Pittsburgh. I think it's just a little bit too big of an adjustment. So lean towards Arizona, but I would uh, keep an eye out and wait for to see if six reappears. Okay, Suma, in this matchup as well, you might be a little bit more optimistic about the Steelers' offense going forwards uh, or maybe a little bit more pessimistic on the Cardinals than Hitman is. Walk us through uh, this one because you're leaning towards the other side here. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit more pessimistic about the Cardinals. Um, I think that their offense, I mean, there are some projections involved. Maybe they get better. Maybe Callum Murray is still far away from being 100%, a new scheme, everything needs to go uh, and stuff like that. But we now have seen like three games by the Cardinals offense in dome environments against average at best defenses. And the output was minus 0.7 EPA per play and a 43 success rate, which is not really that great so far. Um, uh, Calamari is also, for whatever reason, not performing well from a clean pocket. So the the part that you would expect to be a little bit more better and stable for a uh, somewhat uh, at least decent quarterback coming off coming off an ACL injury, and now they go on the road and play a much better defense than what they were used to um, in in their first three games with uh, Calamari back. Steelers defense might have the first, I think. I, I saw a tweet today saying that the Steelers' defense um, uh, has not played a full game with Cam Hayward, Minka Fitzpatrick, and TJ Watt together this season. This might actually be the first week, and, and that is still a, let's say, borderline top 10 defense when when healthy. And I'm struggling to believe that the Cardinals' offense will score many points on the Steelers defense um last two games i think the Cardinals bo- uh, scored on their op- scored a touchdown on their opening drive in both games and then were pretty much blanket for the rest of the game they they didn't do a lot against Houston in the game in the second half Le- um last week they um scored i think a garbage time touchdown with two minutes uh, one minute to go or something so i'm i'm just I think in general a, a little bit more pessimistic on the on that offense. And on the other side, Steelers offense since week six, even with Matt Canada, they rank 13 EPA per, per rush, fourth and rushing success rate. That that passing game is not good by, by any stretch, but they are uh, slightly creeping towards below average. Um last week it was the first time where they used play action and threw over over the middle of the field, Pat Fryermuth. 
um, was a game wrecker in that game against that Bengals defense. And the Cardinals defense is like horrendous, arguably the worst uh, defense in the league right now. Um, also interesting, I, I looked at some passing splits today. Kenny Pickett is absolutely horrendous against the blitz. He has been much better when not getting blitzed, and the Cardinals defense is uh, is blitzing at the lowest weight in the league. So I, I really like that matchup. I think that Pickett should have some success through the air. I also think that the the, the rushing offense of the Cedars is at least that good that they uh, can milk some clock and um, maybe can... Well, uh, have a better chance of, of finishing games and finishing covers. So um, I'm, I'm just not getting there with the Cardinals, and I'm, I'm leaning Pittsburgh quite a bit at this number. So we start off this week, week 13, with differing opinions from Hitman and Suma. Eric, I, I saw you nodding your head a little bit while Suma was talking about the Steelers' rushing game. Uh, Broderick Jones, I know a lot of people have been praising him for opening up a lot of holes, uh, but... I know you don't have a strong opinion on this game one way or another, but kind of what do you make of the Steelers going forwards here? It, could this be a team like they got outgained every game for the first nine games of the season. Now, all of a sudden, they look like a completely different team last week. What do you do in a situation like that where you have a change in your offensive play calling and the team looks like fundamentally different than we saw before? Yeah, there are just wide error bars, but, you know, there were some encouraging things out of the Steelers last week that were that were good to see. I think that the one issue uh, that I have with respect to, for example, the over in this game and why maybe I'll talk a little bit about uh, under here is that, you know, the Cardinals are a bottom three team in the NFL in terms of EPA per play allowed uh, against the run. Usually in a in a normal functioning NFL, like, you know, two, three years ago, right, that would mean you know, that, that would mean a look towards over. But in the, in the case of the NFL nowadays, um, you, it, it's really going to lead to a lot of plays, you know, drives that end in between the 40s, right, where these teams run a few times, they get four or five, six yards, and then you get a couple, you know, two to three yard gains in a row, and then you have third and four, and then it's somebody like Kenny Pickett who has to actually convert a third down. And and that that's hard to that, that's hard to bank on. And, uh, you know, somebody in the chat, you know, is astute at this as well. It's like, you know, the, the Bengals defense is one of the worst in the NFL at giving up big plays. Uh, if not the worst, I think at explosive plays given up. And the Steelers were still only able to muster 16 points last week. So I think the Cardinals, you know, even though their defense is going to bleed in this game, I don't think it's going to lead to – I think it's going to lead to fewer possessions and, you know, a relatively easy Steelers win, but not necessarily a lot of points, if that makes sense. And so um, with this total over 40 – in a, in a season like this with two quarterbacks who, you know, in the case of Pickett aren't very good in the case of Murray, because the Cardinals have per our, our numbers at Sumer sports about a 27% chance uh, to get the first pick 27.3% chance to get the first pick. I think what you're going to see is uh, a limited uh, less dangerous script for Murray, which is going to make him less dangerous against the Steelers as a threat. And you're going to see a lot of control by the Steelers, which I think is going to lead to a lower scoring game that the Steelers kind of control from A to Z. I swear we'll move on to another game in a second here, but there's there's something about this that I want to get your guys' thoughts on uh, because I think that there's a, a good opportunity for the Steelers' offense to replicate their success from a week ago. But Mike Tomlin, we've talked about him many times before, right? The voodoo and whatever. But for years, and this is a large sample size spanning different quarterbacks, different rosters, different defenses altogether. But for years, he's excelled in the role of an underdog. When you don't expect the Steelers to win, they find a way. And then in the roles of these, these types of favorite roles here, where they're expected to win by margin, even with better teams in the past before, they've had trouble separating and winning these games by margin. Do we think that there's like a coaching aspect to this where potentially the Steelers play a little bit too conservative, just generally speaking, because that's the way Tomlin wants to play football? Or do we just dismiss that as garbage? I'm just curious in your thoughts on that, because from I've been betting football for a long time. I've often found edges with the Steelers as favorites before, and maybe it's just recency bias, small sample, but there's been a lot of situations where they've been unable to cover this. Eric, I'll, I'll throw it to you just to get your thoughts on this one. Yeah. I just think it's, it's one of those things where I just don't, even when Ben Roethlisberger and they had explosive players, it, I, I do think there's a conservatism in there that just lowers the very, like that 
it's it's a strange thing. I think variance only works in one direction for them, right? And it's and it's to it, it, it's to sort of suppress. You know, they're very good at like mucking it up and suppressing things. Some of that might also be. You know, I wrote this article for Sumer over the summer, and there's a lot of like, you know, um, but I, I think a lot of it is also how much zone coverage they run, right? Like when you look at like who they have, and, and zone coverage tends to exacerbate the differences between the teams, and so you know when a team like the Ravens is really good at man coverage, they like kick the shit out of teams. But when they're, when they're less good, like when they used to play the old Tyree kill chiefs, they used to get their asses kicked. I think like the Steelers, they kind of muck it up in that regard. And so when they were a great team, I think that, you know, the variance kind of the variance worked in the wrong direction for them, obviously, because that what was supposed to happen happened less often, but now when they weren't such a great team, well, when the things that were supposed to happen happen less often, it worked in their advantages. So I think it, they just kind of play a variance-driven game. And so it, in games where they're underdogs, it works to their benefit. In games in their favorites, it works to their detriment. Yeah, I, I think Cottage's point in the chat is interesting. Defensive head coaches call games like this, in my opinion. And I kind of feel the same way about the Chargers with Brandon Staley, who for you know defensive head coach, coach in quotation marks or whatever. But I, I think that's just fascinating with... Um, you know, essentially the way that these the Steelers have played for the course of a couple of decades now. But we'll move it on here. And I, before we do, I just want to mention, like I do every single week, you see the odds scrolling at the bottom of your screen in real time as we talk about a game here. These are the odds courtesy of Pinnacle Sportsbook. I've been betting with Pinnacle Sportsbook for a very long time. They've been in business for 25 plus years. But what you'll often notice is you look at the odds scrolling on the bottom of your screen. You go to bet it yourself at your sportsbook whether you're tailing us, fading us, whatever. But oftentimes, you're not going to find the same price. You're going to find prices that are a lot worse. Pinnacle prides themselves on everyday competitive odds. So make sure you check them out if you are in Canada. If you do so, use code HAMMER when signing up, as it does help support us here on Forward Progress. You must be 19+, plus, not available in the U.S. And as always, please play responsibly. Also just want to get to... Thankfully, difficult. CLV only matters if I get it and then my bet loses. Listen, I'm an open book, full transparency here. I talk about when I win bets with bad numbers, like I did with Carolina against Houston several weeks ago. I'd rather be on the winning side than the one that gets CLV. So talked about it many times before. CLV important, uh, and it's important that we bring it up whether we get the CLV or whether it goes in a different direction. Full transparency here. And that's why we track via third party as well. Speaking of those aforementioned Carolina Panthers, that's where we will go next. Carolina at Tampa Bay. Horrible season for the Panthers, obviously 1-10. It's an NFC South matchup, though. Who knows what can happen in these matchups? Carolina fires head coach Frank Reich after just 11 games. It's been a lot of chaos this week over who ownership wanted to draft, who the GM wanted to draft, some public comments about Bryce Young. A little bit of a disaster for them. They could get some reinforcements on defense, though, this week, potentially with the return of J.C. Horn, C.J. Henderson, uh, or Jeremy Chin as well. The Bucks last week, I mean, they, they couldn't stop Gardner Minshew and Jonathan Taylor and the entire Colts offense. Tampa's now lost six of their last seven games, and things are deteriorating rapidly for Todd Bowles' team. Eric, let's start with you here. This is a spot that a lot of people... Uh, traditionally like to back the team who just made the coaching change. Do you think that it has a tangible impact on this week's game? And basically, what are you looking at here? Yeah, usually I would. I just think that there's not a ton of continuity in what Carolina is trying to do. I think it's incredibly like, so we think about Denver last year. You know, you lost Nathaniel Hackett midseason to a firing. Is Jiro Evero, the defensive coordinator there, didn't even want the interim head coaching job. That team, I mean, that team gave up what fifty to Baker Mayfield in a in a you know they they kind of disintegrated, and I think some of that has to do with kind of the lack of cohesion on the coaching staff. So I think in a normal situation where they're kind of like win one for the guy that just left, I do like the 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 dead you know the dead cat theory. But in this particular case, like Ejiro Evero back on this staff, they hired kind of one of those you know all star staffs, and yet they go with Chris Tabor to be the head coach. Uh, in this spot, and not to say that that hasn't had that that type of move hasn't had success in the past. For example, for example, Jeff Saturday in his first game against Vegas last year won the game outright as a dog. 
But I think that there's just, you know, you, you fire Frank Reich and then Tabor and Jim Caldwell go in and also fire Deuce Staley and, and Josh McCown. So you lose the, uh, the quarterback coach as well. I just think that that's, there's a decent amount of turnover for this week. And I also just don't think that Bryce Young necessarily has, you know, the physical tools to overcome, you know, some of the things that, that are going to happen when you're a team as bad as Carolina. Uh, Tampa Bay still has talent defensively. They still have, you know, a pretty good set of pass rushers when they when they're on the offensive line for Carolina is not somebody, uh, you know, not a, not an offensive line that I am particularly fond of. And you know, Baker Mayfield's regressed in a lot of ways. Early in the season, he was a top five quarterback in sack rate. Now he's kind of dropped towards the middle of the pack. Uh, yards per pass attempt is below seven, so that's not particularly good. But you know, he's still a much better option here than Bryce Young right now. Uh, and, and you know, they're at home and and all that kind of stuff. So. You know, I, and frankly, this is just a numbers play for me. When I even when I give you know Carolina a small kind of uh, qualitative boost because of a coaching change, I still can't get anywhere close. I can't not anywhere close, but I can't get to five, five and a half. And so, you know, I I like the Tampa Bay side here. Suma, you agree with a lot of what Eric said there? Yes, I I just think like how should this offense change within a week to like anything better than what we saw. Already, we already had the coaching switch to, to uh, uh, the play calling switch to Thomas Brown, did not bring them anything. I just think that this offense with Bryce Young right now is simply broken. And I think Benjamin Solak and Stephen Reese made some good points early this week uh, on the Ring NFL show. Like Andy Dalton played in this offense and it looks and it looked completely different at Seattle. Yes, they didn't play a great Seattle defense by any stretch, but it was the same offense and just because it was a different quarterback, it, it automatically looked like um, miles differently and um the Bucks defense, I mean especially their pass defense has not been good, but they also faced the Lions, Bills, Texans, 49ers in recent weeks. Colts have a somewhat capable offense, at least um, with the um, aggressive nature of Shane Steichen. And I mean, I just don't see how this Panthers offense will perform at a higher level. Um, I mean, we are uh, we are really reaching historically bad levels with Bryce Young, and I'm I'm just not seeing it. And on the other side, Baker Baker Mayfield, I think he is a little bit underrated over recent weeks because he has actually playing well, he has been playing very decent in my opinion, and now they are going to face a Carolina defense. They might get some players back in their secondary, but this is a very zone-heavy cover three defense, and Baker Mayfield has been very good against that kind of defense. So I agree with Eric. I like the matchup in general, and I'm really, really super down on the Panthers and just don't see how their offense should take a step forward within a week with the same play caller that couldn't get anything better out of them. Yeah, it's unusual to see the Bucks favored in this type of price range, Hitman. But I mean, I, I get I get the scenario. You're facing one of the worst teams, offensive teams of the last several decades in the Carolina Panthers. Uh, any thoughts on this one, uh, even if it's not a bet, maybe just anywhere that you're leaning or just could be a complete pass? Yeah, it's, it's probably going to end up being a pass for me. Uh, just to follow up on what uh, we said earlier about now they make the coaching change and everything. Well, they, they made the play car change. The offense really didn't improve much. Then they changed back to Frank Reich. Offense didn't improve. So a lot of times I know people look to back a team off firing their head coach or making a change like this in the first week or after it. Look at the Steelers last week. But for me personally, I'm making no adjustment to Carolina based off that. Um, I'll say to monitor the Bucks injuries, it seems like Baker Mayfield and Devin White are going to play, but it's probably looking a bit uh, less likely potentially for Levante David and Jamel Dean. And, you know, I wouldn't even consider this a lean, but maybe just a gun the head look to the under. I, I know that the weakness of the Bucks defense has been their pass defense and their strength is their run D. I really don't see Carolina being able to take advantage of the fact that Tampa is a pass funnel. And then when you look at Carolina, the weakness for them has been their run defense and their pass defense has actually not been terrible this year. 
And you got to ask yourself, can Tampa take advantage of the fact that Carolina is a run funnel with how bad their rushing offense has been all year? I know that it was a lot better last week, but the year-to-date stats for Rashad White and their their run blocking has not been great. So maybe like a gun to head, look to the under, but nothing I would even consider to to call a lean. Don't want to mess with that lean record, Rob. I'm preserving. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Once you're at the top of the leans are board, you know <laughs> you're going to be a little bit more. Uh, you know you're going to be a little bit more selective in what you pick. So Baker Mayfield dealing with an ankle injury. Uh, Todd Bowles has said at the press conference today that Baker will start this week. Personally, I agree with a lot of what Eric and, and Suma said here. I, it, I'm just very down on the Carolina offense altogether. I think, though, if you bet, if you want to bet Tampa, personally, I just think the way that the game is shaping up in terms of injuries, you might as well wait. The likelihood Carolina is going to get defensive players back probably has some sort of market impact when it does happen and players are confirmed in. Baker dealing with an ankle injury, that's public. Not a great injury report for the Bucs. So... I'm kind of waiting on this one to see where we ultimately settle because I do think maybe I'm wrong, but I do think Carolina is going to take money here. I just, I just don't know how they move the ball. I mean, it, it doesn't matter that it's bad O line, it's bad skill position players. They can't run the ball to alleviate any pressure from Bryce Young. It, it's just disastrous. And at least one thing with the Bucks, I don't think the Bucks are going to light, you know, light the Carolina defense on fire here, but. Carolina's defensive scheme, predominantly cover three. Now, most teams in the league are nowadays, but they play like 55% of their plays of their defensive snaps at cover three. Baker Mayfield is a top five EPA quarterback against cover three this year. Can the coaching staff figure it out and not pound the rock at like a 25% success rate on early downs? I don't know. But ultimately, I see this as a bit of like a replica of Titans and Panthers last week, if I had to draw a comparison where... The Panthers just like cannot get anything going against anyone. And if Tampa gets to 20, they cover the game. Um, so those are my thoughts there. Uh, but yeah, just kind of waiting it out a little bit longer before we get into it. Uh, just looking at the, the like numbers right now. They're quite low for the first two games of the stream. Usually we're higher than this. So take a second, smash that like button down below. Over 150 people watching in real time. Do me a favor, hit that like button. And if you're new here and you're catching us for the first time, which there's a bunch of you in here right now, make sure you sub to the Forward Progress channel as well as it does go a long way in helping us grow our audience and get our content out there. Okay, the first two games, not the most appealing. The third game here, definitely appealing. The NFC Championship game rematches here. 49ers at 8-3, and three, go back. To Philly, Lincoln Financial Field could be a preview of another playoff matchup as well. 49ers looking great since Debo Samuel and Trent Williams returned to the lineup. They've won three straight games. They just blew out the Seattle Seahawks. Things are looking very chipper for the 49ers right now. Philadelphia coming off the, the OT thriller against the Bills. They stunk it up early in the game, ultimately got it together. They knock off, or I shouldn't say knock off, they're favored in the game, but they come back to win against the Buffalo Bills. Current betting market right now at Pinnacle. 49ers minus three plus 106 on the road. Eagles plus three minus 119 at home. Total in the game is 46 and a half. Suma, let's start with you here. How do you break this one down in the NFC Championship game rematch? Yeah, Niners uh, will at least have a real starting quarterback for for the kickoff. So, um, I mean, the Eagles' defense is not great, and I really think that Shanahan will be in his back this week. Uh, I mean, when you look at the Eagles' uh, middle-of-the-field defense, linebackers Nicholas Morrow and Christian Ellis this week, I think Kyle Shanahan will have them in absolute hell Eagles struggled to defend tight ends and, and slot receivers. We just remembered like two or three weeks ago, which plays a, a little bit into the Eagles having some luck. We had this uh, last fourth and 10 for the Cowboys where Jake Ferguson was basically uh, beating his man and running freely over the middle of the field and Dak just didn't see him and uh, threw an incompletion uh, down the sideline to, to Jalen Tolbert, I guess. 
So Eagles defense is very vulnerable against the pass. Josh Allen sliced and diced them up in the rain last week. Um, I think this might be a huge George Kittle slash Debo Samuel game. Uh, the Eagles' strength on defense basically when they can create situations where their defensive line can get home, but I don't think that they have the coverage ability to to really force Brock Purdy to to hold the ball very long behind that offensive line and uh, struggle to 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 go through reads. I just think that the Niners should have some success on the ground and then their their linebackers will be an absolute hell against this uh, culture and play calling. Um, on the other side, Niners defense has been a little bit suspect against the run this season, but the Philly offense is basically now Jalen Hurts throwing and Jalen Hurts running because their running back uh, run game is, is really cooling off. They are 24th in success rate, 22nd in EPA per play on running back runs since week six. Um, so I think that the Niners offense should be highly successful. And maybe this is finally a, a week where a good offense can put the Eagles away and not let them go or come back into the game like the, like the Bills did and, 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 and the Chiefs did with their red zone turnovers and with that crazy MVS drop late in the game. I think this is a little bit narratively, but the way uh, the way the Niners have been talking about this NFC championship game last season, like deep into the offseason where they think they um, got treated unfairly with their quarterback injuries. I, I really think this is a great motivational spot. Um, Kyle Shannon has, has a mini bye week to, pre to prepare. And I, I just, I'm, I'm struggling to see how this Eagles pass defense can uh, contain this uh, juggernaut of, an, of a Niners offense. Suma making a case for the 49ers there. Now, someone in the chat asked what was the spread in the NFC Championship game last year. It was Eagles minus two and a half at home to the 49ers. So we've done a full role reversal here. That's not to say that it's it's unwarranted or anything, but we've come a long way over the course of, the, of uh, one season. The Eagles not playing up to the metrics from a year ago. Um, a lot of things. Situational spot for Philadelphia is a little bit tougher here with San Fran having extra rest. So there's a lot that plays into it. But... Hitman, now we've hit some threes in the market. Like we're between two and a half and three. And, you know, I think San Fran is widely considered the best team in the NFC. And Philly is right up there at number two with Dallas. Are we at that much of a discrepancy at this point where there's still value in betting the 49ers? Like, you know, the Eagle, all these, these things aside, for me, thinking of the Eagles losing by four or more at home can happen. It's within the range of outcomes, but God, that seems like a something that you like. You just very, very rarely going to happen. So, what do you make of this one now that we got the number at three at Pinnacle? Yeah, I'll say this: that if you look at just like the matchup and the situation in this game without thinking about anything else, I, I think that you're going to land on San Francisco. I mean, San Fran's coming off extended rest; they have the revenge spot off of last year and Philly is coming off 92 plays defensively against Buffalo after playing a Monday night game. And these are all like high leverage max effort games that Philly's been playing with the short rest as well against KC Buffalo and now San Francisco. And now I believe they have Dallas next week also. So like it's a gauntlet of a schedule that they got going for them right now. And then if you look at the matchup, I think Suma, touched on this well the Eagles defense in the middle of the field is very vulnerable and in fact when they played Kansas City last uh two weeks ago I mentioned about how on the short passes they've been really bad I thought that Andy Reid and the Chiefs offense could take advantage of it they didn't as well as I thought they would but for the entire season on those short passes middle of the field their th defense is 31st in EPA per play and their 29th in success rate and what's one thing that we know about Kyle Shanahan this on this offense they're built for that 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 exact style to attack the Eagles defensive weakness they're built for and then when you look at Jalen Hurts in this matchup last year against this 49ers defense he struggled I mean he was 15 to 25 passing for 121 yards and you'll remember that their big gain 
of that entire stat line was the Devontae Smith 30-yard pass that shouldn't have even been a catch if Kyle Shanahan would have challenged it. So a lot of my work lands me on San Francisco, but when you just look at like what the power ratings would be, I, I mean, I'm not pick them when I don't apply all this, you know? So you're going to give uh, San Fran points for the situational spot, for the matchup, but do you get to three after all that? I mean, I'm probably around like the two and a half range. So I would have the slightest of leans towards Philadelphia, but it, it probably ends up being a pass for me. All right, Eric, big game, obviously here. A lot of people want to bet this game um, just because, you know, it is one of the late starts and just, just a lot of appeal to watching this game in full. I uh, don't have to have thoughts on it from a betting perspective, but, but just break down what you're thinking between the 49ers and the Eagles. Yeah, when I look at this game, like I'm 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 there with Hitman where I can't make it three. And like, obviously, I'd love to love to or even two and a half and lo love to get it there. But from a matchups perspective, the one thing that the Eagles have done from a team building standpoint, they do exactly kind of what all of us analytics guys would do. They slough off on positions like running back and linebacker and safety and all of that, which generally speaking, I think is game theory optimal to win 12 to 13 games a year. But in this particular matchup where the Niners get you the, the defense's fullback on the field, which is the third linebacker, they get, you know, they they put two men in a gap. When you look at who the Philadelphia Eagles have at that position, you're talking about guys who, you know, Nicobe Dean's out, right? That's like actually a guy that they drafted. They have like Nicholas Morrow, who I know is graded well per PFF, but he's a guy that they picked up off the scrap heap, right? Uh, Cunningham was a guy they picked up off the scrap heap. He's not, you know, he's not, not starting anymore. And then, you know, I just don't think that the Eagles match up particularly well in this spot because of how they've built their team from a from a, a strategy standpoint. And that's, to me, maybe not necessarily going to get this thing, as Hitman said, all the way to the, where the point spread is right now. But it's probably going to get me not to necessarily like, uh, you know, not necessarily like the Eagles even as a home dog here. Yep. Good arguments made all around here. I'm going to get to this one a little bit later in the show, just uh, teeing it up. Uh, maybe we'll catch something from this game in the best bet segment when we get there. Before we get into our next game, for those that don't know, we've been doing a little bit of a trivia competition over here at the Hammer centered around NFL. You can check that out on the Hammer HQ YouTube channel. This Friday is a big one. Hitman has already knocked off Suma and moving on to the semifinals. Cleve TA's there. G Stack George is there. It's myself against Eric Eager on Friday. Going to be a barn burner. Check it out on the Hammer HQ YouTube channel. I promise you won't be disappointed. Let's put it that way. Going to be a barn burner. Game number four here. A lot less appeal than the one we just talked about. The LA Rams starting to pick it back up. Gain some momentum here. Trying to keep it up at home against the Cleveland Browns. Kyron Williams, massive game last week against the Arizona Cardinals. We talked about that a little bit before. Matt Stafford looked great as well. Cleveland, on the other hand, leaves Denver with a loss, but injuries on top of that. Miles Garrett appears to have avoided a serious injury, which is huge for them. Dorian Thompson-Robinson suffers a concussion. Quarterback in flux. Joe Flacco may be getting the start this week. Who knows what's going to happen in that situation? A lot to take into account for this game. Market is Rams minus three and a half right now. Total 39 and a half juiced heavily to the over. And we'll start it with you, Hitman. Break this one down for us. Do you see any betting value between the Browns and the Rams? Yeah, so I'm looking towards Cleveland in this one. You mentioned Amari Cooper and Miles Garrett. The word from a lot of the reporters following the Browns is that it's a pain tolerance issue and that they think they probably are going to be able to gut it out and play. Obviously, if one or especially if both of those players don't play, it's going to be a problem. The line's going to move against Cleveland. But I'm at least hoping or thinking that one, probably two of them end up playing. But I, I just think that it's too big of an adjustment off of last week where Cleveland closed one and a half at Denver, which is kind of in a similar power rating as the Rams are. 
And I just think that's too big of an adjustment facing this Rams team that definitely has a smaller home field advantage than Denver does. I like that Cleveland State on the West Coast to negate much of the travel advantage that the Rams would have had in this game. And then if you just look at this Rams offense, they have really struggled when they face teams that have top-tier pass rushes. You go back and you just look at just this season, they struggled a lot against San Francisco. They scored 14 points against Philly. They scored 20 against Dallas. A lot of that was garbage time. They got blitzed from the beginning in that game. They scored three against Green Bay. I know I know there was no Matthew Stafford in that game, but it's still a game where you're scoring three points against another above-average pass rush in the Packers. Even the Cincinnati game, I know their defensive metrics have been bad all year, but it was a game where the Rams lost some offensive linemen. They couldn't protect for Matt Stafford, and they scored 16 points and just could not block them. In the second half, the Cleveland pass rush metrics are elite. Their defense overall is first in EPA per play. So I think that they're going to be able to at least limit this Rams offense. And then if you look at how Matthew Stafford has played just in general this year, he's 22nd in EPA per play year to date. As we said, he's significantly worse when he faces pressure. Cooper Cup has not been 100%. He now has injuries to both his ankles. He has only 12 catches for 127 yards in his past five games. So I'm just seeing not much of a path for the Rams offense to probably do enough to to cover by margin in this game. And I know, listen, the Browns offense is bad. They might end up going to Joe Flacco in this game. Honestly, I hope they do, but it's a, it's a bad offense going against a below average defense in the Rams. But at the end of the day, I think, For the Rams to win by margin, I just don't think that the matchup's there against this Browns pass rush. Fair enough. Um, Eric Hitman mentioned wanting them to go to Joe Flacco, which I found a little bit funny, laughing it off. Not to say that Joe Flacco's bad, but the guy, as was been pointed out in the chat, was sitting on his couch a week ago, and now he's a viable starting option for a quarterback uh, in the NFL. What do you think the Browns are going to do this week? And do you agree with Hitman in that there might actually be some value in them? I don't. I just think that, I mean, I think that there's a few issues. A, Flacco's a name, but, I mean, he was somebody who the Jets went out of their way to start Mike White over for most of last season at the end of the season when they actually needed to win football games. Like, I, I just think it's it's not great for him. There's also, you know, I have to look, I have to get a status update on this, but, like, one of the things that's kept Cleveland afloat that's been underrated all season is Amari Cooper, who – um, you know, gets kind of lost in the shuffle now that he's not at one of the big markets, but uh, he has a rib injury now that I think is going to either hamper him or, or completely have him out of there. When you look down the list there, they traded Donovan Peoples-Jones to the Lions. David Njoku is a good player, but if he catches that ball on the crosser against a, a Denver, they might even win that game. And so just a little bit inconsistent for my liking. Uh, and then the run game has been, you know, somewhat putrid for Cleveland at times this year with the, the Jerome Fords of the world. Kind of, uh, I'd have to look at his yards created number. I have it, I have it loaded up here for uh, the the running back that might actually matter in this game, which is Kyron Williams, uh, who is third in the NFL in terms of yards created at our website, SumerSports.com. So I, I think that, you know, for me, I, I just think this game gets mucked up a little bit, um, and, and uh, I think there's, I think that the one thing that can add the variance necessary to cover by margin and to frustrate the hell out of me is the fact that Matthew Stafford is you know is is capable of creating the big plays and you know miles garrett his injury kind of trickles down all the way to conkbo as well as uh as well as zadarius and zadarius smith spent some time injured last week as well so i I just don't know if the cleveland browns after you know carrying this team over and over and over again will necessarily have the defense that we're accustomed to uh, this entire season so i for that reason i just i just i kind of throw my hands up at this game frankly suma you bet the rams last week against the Cardinals, got some great closing line value. I would have pointed out if you didn't, by the way, just for the people out there, but you got some great closing line value in that game and they end up covering and winning by margin. Is this another week where you're considering going back to the Rams? Only if there's going to be a, another decent wave of Browns money. Uh, right now at three and a half, I'm, I'm not really interested in this game. The point about Flacco is like he might be less mistake prone than DRT for example but Joe Flacco joined the Browns on I think November 21st 
and he left the Jets in early January. So this was the first week of NFL practice for 38-year-old Joe Flacco in this calendar year. So I'm just not sure that I'm getting a version that was as solid for the Jets as last year's solid really in, in quotation marks. He, he might completely stink in this game and uh, do several mistakes, only try to get the ball out quick. We, we just don't know, but I'm pretty sure that we will not get a good performance by, by Joe Flacco here. And then the question becomes whether that's enough to, to, uh, to beat this um, Rams offense. Um, yes, uh, Brown's defense has been great, but I think this Rams uh, offense is different with Kyron Williams on the field. The 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 splits when he's on the field, on the run, or even in the in the passing game um, are drastic. Because when we look at a guy like Daryl Henderson, who who got a a lot of carries when Kyron Williams was on IR, uh, Henderson only has a route participation uh, rate of like sixty seven percent. Kyron Williams has a much higher route participation rate. So the Rams are actually designing routes and pass plays and screens for Kyron Williams, which puts a little bit more stress on the defense as when a guy like Daryl Henderson is on the field. Add to that that this this one game is is averaging 0.156 EPA per play and a 50% success rate with Kyron Williams. Um, also, um, Los Angeles uh, likes to run a a uh, lot of uh, man duel and uh, inside zone. And that's something that the Browns defense has not been super special against uh, somewhere around league average. So I think that the Rams should get, uh, go should get something going on the ground. And yeah, it's for me personally, um, I make it around three and a half right now. For, for me personally, it would just be very hard to trust a one week, practice window of Joe Flacco going against a Rams offense that is uh, quite decent. Okay. Different thoughts there. Sorry, Nathan. I know that the guy in the chat who mentioned Joe Flacco on the couch has a name and it was Nathan, everyone who did mention that. Um, one thing of note, which is really interesting to me, the Browns play the most man coverage in the entire league. It's about 44% man coverage. You don't see teams play that high a rate of man coverage. Matt Stafford has extremely drastic splits when facing man versus zone this year. He's fourth in the league against zone, 32nd against man. Now, there's obviously some other factors at play here. If you strip out and you only include when Cooper Cup, Tutu Atwell, and Puka Nakua were on the field and all healthy at the same time, his numbers are actually still that bad against man, which is counterintuitive to everything I would believe because those are receivers that I think could generally beat man coverage. But he has struggled against these types of defenses. Going back over the course of his career, it's been like that as well. So just something to keep an eye on. I'm kind of in the same boat of no play here as well right now. But I think this is a possibility that you know, a lot of people are pointing the Browns defense. They don't really travel well. I, I actually think that they can rattle Stafford in this game. Now, it depends on if Miles Garrett is on the field or not, but there's a lot that uh, that goes into this overall. All right, guys, uh, before we get into our final game, which is going to be a breakdown of Sunday night football here, I do want to remind everyone that this podcast is also available in audio form on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. If you do listen to the audio uh, every single week, please leave us a kind review if you enjoy what we put out there. If you don't enjoy what we put out there, don't leave us a review. We don't want bad reviews. Only good reviews for the audio. And of course, if you haven't liked the stream yet here, do smash that like button down below. All right, guys, before we get into our best bets, Sunday night football, the Packers coming off the, their best win of the season. Um, they're looking for another big win. They're hosting Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City got off to a really rocky start against the Raiders, ended up pulling out and covering the spread 31 to 17 on the road. Looking at the game right now, current market prices, Chiefs down to five and a half at Pinnacle. Total 42 and a half, juice towards the under. Suma, I believe you have some thoughts on the on the total in this game. Yeah, first of all, uh, we don't know how the weather will impact this game. So right now, looking at different forecasts, we have some snow and rain. In the forecasts, um, it, it's still only Wednesday, so there, there there could be some changes 
in the forecasts going forward. That's something to, to keep in mind. But in general, question for you guys. Um, in almost six seasons with Patrick Mahomes as the starter, how many KC totals closed below 43? What, what did last week's close against the Raiders? It was around that, right? Yeah, I think 43 and a half. Is, is that correct? It was, uh, it was 43 and a half, yeah. Um, I'm going to say, just because of this question and the way you're wording it, Suma, I'm going to apply logic and I'm going to say zero. The other guys, any any guess? I think 2021 could have had one, like the the last Jordan Love game. Maybe we'll go one. I know there was a bad. Yeah. I think there was a bad weather game. Bad weather the, game, maybe. Yeah, Denver in 2020. Okay. Um, actually, I, I I I could be one short of this because the. The, the John Love didn't make my didn't make my query, but I got to two and 2022 against the Rams with Bryce Perkins at quarterback 42, oh. and this season against Zach Wilson 41 and a half. So actually, I I might have overseen the the um, the John Love game, but I got to two and against Bryce Perkins and uh, Zach Wilson. So um, Packers offense. They struggled mightily early, early in the season with all these young guys. They had some older injuries. There were like guys running the same routes to, to the same spots. And John Love was uh, not very consistent. He still might not be because they are average, averaging a higher EPA per play than what their success rate is. So they're generating more big plays. But that offense is getting better. Um, it feels like everything is starting to click a, a little bit more. And I think despite playing a good or a decent Kansas City defense, I think they should have some success. And the same goes for the other side. Uh, Chiefs defense, uh, Chiefs offense might have figured it out a, a little bit, but she Rice is getting more involved, who might be the only capable receiver right now. And they are playing against a really, really bad uh, Packers defense. So I'm expecting both offenses to put up some points. And I think... If the weather is somewhat acceptable for a total play, I would lean towards the over here. So just to jump in, the last Jordan Love game, Chiefs-Packers, the total was actually 48 in that game. <laughs> so nowhere close. Suma, don't worry. You don't have to rewrite your uh, your queries yeah. or anything like that. It's all good. It's all good. Eric's okay. just throwing out false information. I was uh, just guessing. You, you had me guess. I, I wasn't going to type into the you know ruin the audio no on problem. The as soon as you brought up that game you rattled suma to his core he's like yes. oh i don't know about uh, i don't know if my <laughs> stat is right anymore like he was he thought he was going to get called out in the chat for false information no suma nailed it i i was uh i was just guessing so hitman uh i, I believe you agree with suma on the total here you think it might be a little bit too low yeah agree, agree with everything he said definitely have to monitor the weather but it's been a lot of talk about the Kansas City offensive struggles. I mean, they're still sixth in the league in EPA per play. They're top 10 in almost every major success rate, drop back EPA. And then their defense last week just showed maybe just a little bit of vulnerability, allowing 6.2 yards per play to the Aiden O'Connell-led Vegas Raiders. And like, like Suma said, 42-ish. I mean, this is like the floor that we get typically for a Chiefs total. So – like one of the questions is, can Green Bay do their share? Jordan Love has played really well recently, even just last week against the Lions. Per PFF, 36% of his passes had perfect ball location, a season high. Since week eight, Jordan Love is fifth in EPA per play. He's fifth in completion percentage over expected. He's seventh in success rate despite being third in air yards. So it's been an improving Packers offense again. So, yeah, I would monitor the weather, but over in this game would be a lean of mine as well. Eric, I always throw to you as a Chiefs fan just to get the thoughts. How are you feeling about this week? It's been early Packers money, uh, one-way Packers money so far. So we do have to be careful about those numbers for the Chiefs against the Raiders because a lot of it, if you take out the long run by Josh Jacobs, which you can't, of course, but they, they gave up like it was something like – 60 yards on 20 carries to Josh Jacobs. So I, I think that the Chiefs kind of want to play that way. They're second worst in the NFL in EPA per play. 
against the run, but then they're a top team in terms of EPA overall. So I think it's it's an op, it's an optimization thing for them. Um, you know, uh, I know AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones weren't practicing to start the week, but Dillon, by the way, you know, 15th worst in terms of yards created, 35.1% success rate. There is like a little bit of stubbornness with the the Packers running the football to try to protect Jordan Love. And that's somewhat because Dylan is one of the least explosive backs in the NFL. I think that somewhat plays to somewhat plays to a lower scoring affair where the Packers can get to kind of midfield or so. Um, the, the Chiefs go ahead and, you know, play good pass defense, force field goals. And then if the weather is, you know, and then you have a rookie's kicker, rookie kicker and Anders Carlson for, uh, you know, the Packers. I do think that there there's like, I think we could all be sitting here Sunday night with good numbers on the over and it gets to, you know, and we're, and there's just maybe a touchdown in the first quarter of the game, first half of the first quarter. And then we're all like, how did this game slow to a crawl? And it's because this chief's defense actually plays kind of game theory optimal with regard to unders in the sense of they, they let the other team run the ball just enough to feel comfortable. And then they get the quarterbacks in third and medium ish plays. And then they are a pretty good pass defense with a great pass rush right now and foil the other team's offense be and and the additional one is i know rasheed rice played well this week i know kelsey played well this week um i i do want like they the chiefs have not been able to string a couple of games to, of, of great offense together in a row and that and so i do get worried about the consistency there on offense rashawn gary is going to have juan taylor in a blender kind of all game as well the, the two tackles for the chiefs are the two most penalized players in the entire league and again first and 15 used to be a thing that Mahomes could overcome with with a plum. It's not necessarily something that that offense has been able to overcome as much uh, as, as you know, they have in the past. So those are just my concerns about – I'm not going to take under because I, I don't think I've ever taken an under in a Mahomes game, but I, I do think that there is uh, there is some worry there about the gameplay uh, and, and how the Chiefs are kind of a step ahead of the NFL in terms of how to induce lower scoring games with that defense that they have. I'll share a concern on the over here as well. This game is playing being played on Sunday night football. Not sure if you boys have heard about the primetime unders, but especially if we want to cherry pick and get rid of Thursdays, Sundays and Mondays, absurdly. I haven't figured it out yet. Don't know what's going on here. I only say this in jest, but... God, some of these games, I don't even know how they find a way to manage to, to stay under on Sunday and Monday night football this year. It's been pretty absurd. All right, we're going to get into our best bets here. Before we do, I just want to remind everyone, we do live watch-alongs for every Thursday and Monday night football game right here on Forward Progress. This week, it's Cowboys-Seahawks, and unfortunately, it's Jags-Bengals, which could have been a really good game a couple of weeks ago when Joe Burrow was still healthy. Probably not so much of a good game right now. But this week for Thursday Night Football, the Hammer is partnering with a brand new company called The Locker. We'll be doing a game inside the game for the first half of Cowboys Seahawks tomorrow night where you can compete for a chance to win 600 bucks in cash. Facing off against our producer, Zach Phillips. You have to have an iPhone to enter but all you got to do is go over to www.locker.bet, sign up for the beta. You'll get an email link and you can download that onto your phone and you can participate in the game. This is exclusive. No one else has this. This is just going to be hammer users with the possibility of winning 600 bucks. Zach's in the chat. Who wants that smoke? I don't know, Zach. Pretty much everyone at this point. But it should be a fun thing. We can try it out as a group. We'll give our feedback. And again, free money given away there. So check it out, www.locker.bet. And this will be launching on Android in a couple of weeks as well. So starting for iPhone and then Android eventually. All right, guys, let's get into it. I feel like I say the same spiel every week, but I'll say it again. It's time to get back on track, boys. It's time to figure this shit out. We need a 4-0 week. Not only do we need one, we probably need five in a row. But let's start with one. Let's start with one. Because Eric, myself, and Suma all lost last week, we'll go back to the fresh blood. Oh, man. And Hitman is somehow leading it off for this week. Hitman, the floor is yours. Your best bet and why. 
All right, I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns plus three and a half. Rob mentioned Matthew Stafford's splits against man. I mentioned earlier that the Rams offense against above average or elite pass rushes has really struggled. And there's been a pretty decent sample size against San Fran, Philly, Dallas, Green Bay, Cincinnati, when their offensive line was banged up. Cleveland, obviously, their pass rush metrics are elite. The defense overall is first in EPA per play. Stafford on the year facing just anybody 22nd in EPA per play. Cooper Cup is one weapon right now. Puka Nakua, not 100%, has 12 catches for 127 yards over his past five games. So I really don't see a big path for success for the Rams to get margin in this game. Obviously, Amari Cooper and Miles Garrett, it's an issue with their injuries, but it does sound like it's a pain tolerance issue. So for me, I, I make the game three. So give me the Browns plus three and a half. All right. Hitman going with the Browns. Laying it on the line. Eager. You know what to do, everybody. You, you know what to do. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. I didn't <laughs> want to say it, but he said it himself. All right, Eager. You're you're going with a total this week. What's it going to be and why? Last time I went with a total, uh, Sam Howell. Uh, absolutely uh, blew it up, but uh, I'm going back. Um, there's the total in New England here. I know uh, uh, one of our friends in the chat said um, this is a uh, this is also getting money on the Patriot side here. Uh, but I like under uh, you know 40 and a half was was the number before the show. I know it's actually a little bit higher in some spots. Um, I, when I look at this game, a uh, the Patriots have gotten back to running the ball with Ramondre Stevenson, which is kind of tilting for me because I have season-long unders on him. 20 carries against the Colts, 21 carries last week against the Giants. That, you know, I, I think when you look at this offense and, you know, yards created, for example, Ramondre Stevenson, one of the worst in the NFL, uh, basically half a yard worse than you'd expect from the average ball carrier per carry. Uh, I think that the Patriots look at that, you know, success of the last few weeks uh, and play into it. I think that the Chargers uh, are, are, you know, just enough of a sieve against the run to slow this entire game down and to play the game, as I said, between the 40s. And then you look at the other side of the aisle with with its, the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, they have a really wicked combination of a, a play caller who's underperforming, wide receivers who can't get open, offensive line who can't block, uh, and a quarterback that processes the game way too quickly and, and checks the ball down uh, when it's not warranted. Other than that, the offense is tremendous. So uh, I, I, I like I like a look at the under in this game. Chargers, Patriots, uh, under 40 and a half. Okay. Sounds like 2-0 and oh so far. Suma, it's on you now to keep the, the run of games that hasn't happened yet that I'm I'm crowning winners. I'm the green check mark, mark brigade today. But Suma, it's for you, and you're going to Monday Night Football, Bengals and Jags. What's it going to be, and why? Yes, I like the the sorry the Jaguars to win comfortably here. Um, I think that this Bengals team is very very bad. I think when you when you think about a a graph like Ben Baldwin posts his team tiers every week, when you think of a a graph with team tiers where you have defensive strength on, on, on the y-axis and offensive strength on the x-axis and you look at how bad the Bengals defense is and how bad potentially going forward their offense is with Jake Browning I think they really below belong far to the left side and they are clearly a bottom eight team to me right now they have a bad defense. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. They have a questionable O-line. Jake Browning is a terrible downgrade from Joe Burrow. And I just don't see them getting anything done um, against this uh, very decent Jaguars defense. Last week against Pittsburgh, their only offense was basically a tipped pass towards Jamar Chase, which set up their uh, low touchdown. And I think in the in the second half they had another uh, bigger play that should have been an, an interception where the ball slipped through through the hands of Pittsburgh's receivers. I think Jake Brown uh, Jake Browning is is one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the game. And then overall, I, I really think that this Bengals team is a a bottom eight, maybe scratching bottom six team at some point. And Jaguars' offense are really 
uh, improving. Cameron Ridley is being used all over the field all of a sudden. Their run game has been bad for, for most of the season, but against a bad Bengals run defense, that might not be an issue. So I think Jaguars score enough points on offense, and I just don't see the Bengals offense competing. All right. Suma with the Jags. A lot of people in the chat are happy with that. Also pointing to Jags teaser season, which I would have to, uh, I wholeheartedly <laughs> have to, hopefully this doesn't end up in Lions teaser season like it was last week with our pal Joey Kanish live from the bedroom uh, on Thursday morning. Be All right, fair, uh, the Lions were good to any number. They, yeah. First quarter, first half, team total over. However you wanted to play the Lions from Lions fan Joey Kanish, who couldn't be bothered to even get out of bed for that one. <laughs> Uh, I'll end it off here. I'm going to go to a total. I uh, I alluded to this game earlier and didn't get my thoughts when we covered it. Uh, I like the San Francisco Philadelphia over 46 and a half. I would play it up to minus 118 at 46 and a half. Now, of course, I have to mention that there's possible rain concerns here. It could happen. Doesn't look like torrential downpour. It's still a little bit too early to figure it out, but there's probably going to be some rain over the course of this game. I really don't care simply put i think philadelphia's stop unit is one of the most overrated in the entire league the total in the playoff game between these two teams last year was 45 but philly's d has been downgraded significantly since then san fran has an extremely efficient offense they're loaded with explosive play candidates as the guy mentioned as the guys mentioned philly's very susceptible over the middle of the field their linebacking core is horrible. They're going to get shredded there. They also play a lot of cover one. That's a defense that Brock Purdy has cooked this year to the tune of 0.55 EPA per play, which is absurd. This Eagles D was on the field for 40 minutes against the Bills this past Sunday. I think San Fran's going to score a lot of points in this game. And when they do, in games where Philly has to match points, I think this makes for a solid overbet. They're smart. Nick Sirianni well, you know, coaches this team really well. They will play fast. They will throw down the field. They will get aggressive. The last time that we saw the 49ers defense play a really strong passing attack, they got shredded by Joe Burrow. I don't think it's going to be the exact same type of game, but ultimately I'm going to go back to a Philadelphia over for the second straight week here. I'm going to play over 46 and a half. Eagles and 49ers. That's going to do it for here, for us here. On Forward Progress, best bets week 13. Once again, I'll remind you, if you're not subbed here on Forward Progress, smash that subscription button below. Hit that bell, notifications as well. Turn it on whenever we go live. And of course, like our content. For myself, Rob Pizzola, for Eric Eager. This chat is off the hook today. For Eric Eager, for Suma, for Hitman, for a producer behind the scenes who gets this all done in Jason Cooper. This has been another edition of Forward Progress, best bets. Here, part of the Hammer Betting Network presented by Pinnacle. Everyone, peace out and good luck with your bets this week. 